Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, and this is it's kind of a sad day because this is the last of the season. We're going to check in with Dickinus Heidi Gaiman here in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is time to check in with Dickinus Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. It is our, th- this is our final episode for the season. I know we've, we're wrapping down this season for this school year and take a little hiatus for the summer, give you a little break. And then we're coming back in the fall with a great new series on Mental Health Monday. But we're wrapping up our series on social media. Do either of you use social media? Uh, no, na- no, never. <laughs> has, this, has this topic been helpful to you? <laughs> I yes. think it's been, yeah, like super helpful even to sort through for myself a little bit more about what I believe in it and and what I don't, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we often kind of forget to do that work. We just fall into kind of using a piece of technology, but understanding a little bit more about like the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as the glorious about it is really helpful. And it's kind of fun just to be able to think out loud mm-hmm. in this kind of have a conversation where we can think out loud about the topics in social media. So today, uh, we're going to dig into intentionality. We kind of uh, touched on that in a previous episode. So we're going to dig into intentionality as well as conflict and social media use, if we can get to it. Hopefully we can <laughs> in today's episode. So we talked, I think, in, I don't remember which episode it was, we briefly touched on being intentional when uh, using social media. So how does approaching social media with intentionality impact one, how we use it, and then two, how, what impact it has on us and particularly our mental health? Mm-hmm. I think, think that the word intentional is really helpful because it helps keep us in kind of a, a balanced middle realm where you can picture on either side is rigidity and flexibility that's maybe too flexible, right? So intentionality involves some flexibility and some idea of rhythms or what is helpful for us or what is necessary, what is not good for us and what is good for us. But it keeps us from being too rigid or without boundaries. And so you can kind of picture it in the middle range of where we want to be with social media. It's so easy, I think, and I even see posts and things on social media about this, that we create rules for ourselves. And then unfortunately, a lot of times when we create rules for ourselves, we either intentionally or unintentionally create rules for other people or want people to subscribe to our rules, whether that means like how we hand off tech to our children or whether that's our own screen time and things like that. Understanding that rigidity is not usually uh, our best. (laughs) Like we're not really, we end up with a lot of shame when we have a lot of rigidity and a lot of rules because they're not really, uh, it's hard to carry them out is what I'm trying to say. Like we If we fall off, if you will, the wagon of our rules with social media or with our technology use, then, you know, then there's automatically an internal judgment of myself. Obviously, Christ's grace applies here like it does anywhere else. However, I think when we can instead have intentionality instead of like 
hard and fast rules that is going to help us be able to live outside of the realm of shame and and then the freedom of Christ, if you will, which is kind of grace on the front end instead of grace on the back end. So intentionality instead of rigidity looks a little bit like, you know, I I try to put my phone away after 7 or 8 p.m. at night. Um and I try to have uh, a couple of check-ins a day on my social media instead of scrolling mindlessly. You know, creating a rhythm, if you will, in your life is is usually to our benefit. Like we are created for rhythms. It's very Ecclesiastes, if you will. But creating instead, like I always, anytime we throw in the words always and never, we call that black and white thinking. It's hard to maintain and it usually is not great for our psyche and grace. It It's there for us, but it's hard for us to see it in those realms. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting to kind of reframe how we use social media. Like it's it's a tool to do certain things Mm -hmm. and reframing what those things are for you and and how you're actually going to be using it can be really helpful too. So so you have some flexibility in in how you're using it in certain situations, but but you also still have this framework that you're working within to kind of keep keep the reins on it so it doesn't get out of control. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You know, Trevor Sutton, Reverend Doctor, mm-hmm. I believe now, he has a book on redeeming technology from Concordia Publishing House. And I haven't read it, so I'm not necessarily recommending it yet. But I do th- know that the content interacts with that conversation of how is it a tool? And so that might be a useful resource as people begin to try to sort out maybe what what it is for them. Because I think it is different. Like, Sarah, you use it for work all the time, Mm -hmm. and you also use it for your personal life. And so sorting what that looks like in each thing is going to be important. And how those things interact, though, also. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, not being so rigid that it has to be so clear cut that you end up frustrated with yourself, that you can't get it Mm -hmm. down to something manageable, if you will, to understand. And so for me, same thing. I use it for work quite a bit. And so whenever people make comments about their reduced screen time and how they're taking a sabbatical, no one ever means those things as judgment, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So there I just never and always did, right? (laughs) Most of the time, I like to believe that people mean well, right, with their, and and we do this thing called personalization when we hear people taking sabbaticals from social media or people where we automatically kind of turn it to us and our vantage point of us. And that has to do with both original sin and also just our awareness of ourselves and trying to grow. And so when we see that, I think depersonalizing it, understanding that it's not about us is really important, but also being aware that we all exist with social media a little bit differently. And so it's going to look like a different tool for me than it is for you, even though there's going to be commonality as well. So what kinds of things should we understand when we're trying to set these intentions and, and understand the, the what, how we're using this tool and kind of that framework? What sorts of things do we need to understand maybe about ourselves, about about how we how we function? What what are those things? Sure. I think I would say that number one, understanding your values is one thing we want to do. So this is across the board just important for mental health in life, and we could probably do a whole series on it sometime. But we all live in values. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times on Mental Health Monday. I'm not sure which episodes, but <laughs> 
we like to believe that we can maintain, I think, especially in the Christian church, when we're trying to intentionally walk a Christian life, this value known as Jesus, right? Like I just, I live Jesus and that's my value. But the reality is, is that we all have about five to 10 values within what we believe that are maintainable things that we can walk in each day. So like, for instance, one of my values is compassion. So when I either am absent of hearing about compassion around the work of Christ, that's going to impact me spiritually and emotionally, even physically. And then when that is absent from me, so if I'm using social media and compassion is absent from me or those around me, that's going to impact me more greatly than it is, for instance, someone whose value isn't compassion, but is, uh, say, loyalty. So there's a there's lists on the internet. I think we've brought this up before again that people can look up. Knowing your five to ten that you can clearly walk in each day is really helpful for when we engage in social media, when we understand those, and when that makes up our social media content also instead of engaging in places that aren't around those values that that are in fact then values tensions between us and other people will help us reduce the amount of conflict in social media, which we'll get to in just a little bit too. The second thing I would say after values is where do they uh, fit in with your vocations? So mm. it's definitely a V word day on Mental Health <laughs> Monday. So values and vocations. So then, yes, where do they overlap with our vocations? How are they tools for those vocations? That will help us live as neighbors with one another that that shows, you know, that great love for God and love for neighbor that we're going for here, you know, that that is our goal. Um, and so, like, as a mom, how am I using social media? And how is that going to look different from a therapist or friend Heidi or you know, church member Heidi or whatever. So there's questions within that. Like, do I ask my kids permission before I post things? I have a teenager who asked me, <laughs> you know, he just flat out finally said, and I usually had kind of a most of the time asked my kids if I could post a picture of them or not as they got older, especially, but they're little still, they're under my authority. So how much freedom do they have to say yes or no, you know, is always a question out there. And so I had a teenager in my home recently asked me like, please don't post that picture. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not going to post that picture because you asked me not to. Um, and so having those conversations in our vocations then too are going to be really important because we're not islands. We experience this with one another. And so while we have the freedom in Christ to do what we want, we want to make sure that we are um, intentionally engaging in those vocations and how our interactions on social media will affect them. All good points. Uh, so practically, say you're knee-deep, waist-deep in social media, don't have clear intentionality, and maybe things are going okay, or maybe things are just a hot mess on social media for you. <laughs> practical? What would be what would be mm -hmm. a practical tip for mm -hmm. um, cleaning that up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think first uh, having like create a little piece of paper that like helps you figure out those values and looking at your posts, maybe even of the past, and how they did or didn't engage with those values is really going to be helpful to clarify where you're at, I think. How waist-deep are we in this social media <laughs> monster, if you will? And then also looking at those different vocations on like another piece of paper and like 
creating some guidelines for yourself like you would. I mean, again, not rigidity, but here's here's my go and no go list. Like here's mm-hmm. things I will get involved with on social media and things I won't. Or even um you know, doing an exercise like creating a kind of mission statement of social media? Like, what is its point in my life? Like I said, I think it helps to have it in those vocational realms because you sometimes get to decide that and sometimes don't if it's involved in your profession or in church life and things like that. But creating uh, just a, a deeper understanding for yourself, it doesn't have to be something you live by, but I do think getting it on paper helps it kind of clarify in your mind. It is an intentional practice in that way. Um, excuse me. The other thing I would say that you can do is understand that we're all growth oriented people. So if you look at your memories in order to understand your interactions on social media, like allow yourself some grace of growth, right? Like when you look at things you posted that you're like, cringe, ah, I don't know, like, uh, I can't believe I did that, right? Like, Yes, like we all are going to have those. And so I went through some of my memories, you know, because I like to look at them and they're kind of fun. And I was like, oh, I want to delete this one so bad. Um, But instead, I decided to have grace for that 2008 Heidi and be like, oh, okay, she has learned a little bit more about herself and about God and who he is since then. And so you know, we're just going to let her be her and know that she's growing in Christ today. And so I think that can be a helpful practice of, it's almost like a confession of sorts, like laying your past social media cells before God um, and being able to be like, thanks for growing me in this area, God, or hey, help me in this area, God, because I'd like to keep growing here. We're in our social media series for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, wrapping up our conversation on intentionality. When we come back, we're going to have a conflict. I mean, we're going to discuss conflict on social media uh, for today's episode on Mental Health Monday at the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Are we ready to talk conflict and social media use for this mm-hmm. Mental Health Monday, honey? Mm-hmm. I think we. I think we are. Yes, I would like to reframe conflict in the realm of engagement, right? Ooh. Engagement and connection that can occasionally turn to something that we would call conflict that is uncomfortable for us, right? Just because it's uncomfortable, though, doesn't mean it's conflict. It's like a spectrum, right? We engage, and sometimes that goes toward connection, and sometimes that goes toward conflict, which can be kind of disconnecting. 
spectrum, myriad, however you want to look at it. Fancy words. <laughs> That's exactly. I have myriad in my notes for uh, conflict. Because when I think of conflict on social media, yes, it, it, it can cover the whole spectrum. It can be sometimes overwhelming to the point that sometimes we just, just click, turn it off, uh, yeah. put it away. So how then does conflict in general on social media affect our mental health? Oh, my goodness. It's bad. <laughs> I feel like especially, you know, in the last few years, it has been a challenging culture that we live in. In America, I think the world, too, with a global pandemic, with challenging political climates. And I, I just think it's been a really hard time to then scroll through social media trying to connect to the people you love or care about or want to keep in touch with and I think be maybe surprised by opinions that you didn't either know people had or you didn't understand the strength of them I think at times and a lot of this comes down to like when we share something, if you will, a lot of times that can be more forward than something we might post on our own that we might have a tone of gentleness to. And so I think that in general, I would say that conflict is challenging for our mental health. Now we are restoration people. So conflict doesn't have to be the end of everything. But at the same time, it is always a little challenging for our mental health, especially when it continues or is unresolved. And then when it is in our face because of social media each day, that it's draining on our mental health is probably the best word I can apply to it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, at least in, in my own feeds and in my own experiences, I think a lot of this conflict and, and just these kind of things that rub you the wrong way like you, like you said, the the shares we have such a meme culture of like hot mm -hmm. takes in memes and hot takes yeah. in in ten second videos. It's so much easier to like very passive aggressively <laughs> share one of those things and just be like, I'm just gonna leave this here. So people don't actually know where you really fall, but mm -hmm. like it leaves the door open for a lot of different conversations, which can get really interesting, yeah. maybe good or bad. And, you know, one helpful statistic might be, and I just read this in Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart, that some research they had done over COVID, one in six people are challenged to speak to a family member or close personal friend in the last two years because of like some kind of extreme belief or differences in beliefs that feel extreme. And so one in six people are like... That is a very challenging climate to live in. And so then you're going to find that then imagine how many, you know, one of every six posts you see might challenge you. Now, that's a little bit of a loose, you know, correlation, if you will. But at the same time, I do think it applies to our social media life because those are the people we do know and want to know for a reason. We follow them for a reason. So it's going to impact us there, too. Yeah. How does how does all of this conflict and these these more challenging conversations, how are they different on social media rather than outside of I don't even call it real life, but outside of social media, like face to face or, or those other relationships that aren't online? I definitely think there is the, the dehumanizing factor that happens um, when you don't yeah. see someone's face, when you're not sitting across from them, when, it, when I don't see this 
image of God reflected in someone as God's creation, then it is easy for us to throw down words as human beings. <laughs> we see this all the time. It's just easier to throw down words when there's no face attached. So I usually recommend, you know, you know, Pro tip, when you do find yourself emotionally elevated, which is a sign that conflict is brewing on social media for you, at least internally, then go to look at the profile picture of that person or go to look at a picture in their feed or something of them so you can rehumanize that person for yourself. Mm. Um it, we know from research of human nature is that uh, faces matter. Our brains turn on when we see faces of people. Mm -hmm. Our prefrontal cortex and that language center tends to get activated when we see faces. And so we can more logically think through things and get back to that warmth that we want, even in conflict, to humanize somebody and understand that um, these are just people. Another piece of research that I read recently that I think is helpful is that, uh, again, from this Atlas of the heart book is that we tend to think that our motivations stem from love and someone that we disagree with, their motivations stem from hate. And so I think just recentering ourselves on what we call unconditional positive regard, which hmm. is when I see something that's challenging for me, go back to what, where is the positive regard from this person? Uh, what do I believe their intent is even when I don't like it and I don't agree, believing that there is maybe some good intended, that there's love and maybe fear behind it because of the love. That is really helpful in any kind of challenging conversation, but we also know it leads to better dialogue. You know, we're going to get to a place where we can actually have the conversation instead of assumptions and, you know, throwing stuff at each other, throwing <laughs> words at each other. Mm-hmm. My wife is much better at that than I am. Just <laughs> mm -hmm. throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. It's funny because unconditional positive regard is both super Lutheran and not because, you know, we believe in original sin and we believe in humanity's penchant toward like the old Adam, if you will. But mm -hmm. we, we also believe that doesn't mean that we don't believe that humanity doesn't include good as well, right? God calls humans when he creates them very good. And so they're capable of much destruction, and also capable of much good. And so when we can open our eyes to be able to see that good that we kind of closed ourselves off to for a minute, that will help the dialogue. Well, that, that makes me think of the explanation of the fourth commandment. I'm sorry, <laughs> not the fourth commandment, sorry, the, the eighth commandment. And, and speaking of the commandments, why do we sometimes think that not all the commandments apply when we're on social media, like only, only this one or only that one applies. Why do we just sometimes assume it because it's not face to face or quote in real life, even though we know social media is now part of real life. Why do we just assume or sometimes act like the commandments don't apply? For example, the eighth commandment where we're instructed to explain everything in the kindest way to put the best construction on things just like you were explaining to uh, mm -hmm. to uh what was the phrase you used unconditional positive regard thank you i yes. like it <laughs> well it's how god sees us right i mean he sees us and he knows that we're sinners but he loves us enough to send jesus like that I feel like is the definition of unconditional positive regard, like you're worth saving. And so I think then from Jesus then can flow, right? From me, the ability to see that people have some good, <laughs> like that they aren't pure evil. 
And sometimes I just think we get that tunnel vision, especially like Sarah, it was beautifully worded meme culture, right? Where we're just sharing stuff. We're not even having conversation. Mm-hmm. We're just sharing a hot take. It can be really easy to get tunneled into non or very conditional positive regard, maybe mm-hmm. is what we would call it. Mm-hmm. Well, to to look at my neighbor with whom I disagree and to say, this is a person for whom Christ died. Mm-hmm. If there's that that unconditional positive regard. Christ died for him too, or for her too. That if if Christ died for him or for her too, why should I treat them right? With yeah, disregard. I think also I mentioned Ecclesiastes before, and I think taking an Ecclesiastes approach to social media is helpful, which means um, everything in its time. Like nothing has to be dealt with immediately. And it's it's like buying a used car or like a piece of technology. Like we feel like we need to do it this moment because it's such a deal or something and we might lose the deal. I feel like that's how we think about conversations a lot of times on social media. Like if I don't respond now, this person, what will happen? You know, but God works outside of me, <laughs> Like mm-hmm. whether I engage or not, the spirit is still alive and well, right? Um and also in its time, like I don't have to deal with this this moment. Taking some time to think is always called for, always called for. I know I said don't use always or never, but I think taking <laughs> time to think serves us well. And very few things, very few things in our world are immediate or imminent. And our culture, I don't even think social media, but it's alive and well on social media, right? Our culture feeds like a a reactivity approach that I need to react right now. And so taking that everything in its time, God will have a time for this and letting him prompt you to when it's important, I think usually includes some patience. If you read scripture over and over again, God doesn't respond immediately. (laughs) Like, you know, he's willing to wait. And I think that is a nod to us that like with his spirit inside of us, we can also be willing to wait and leave some space. Yeah, I think uh, when when Peter and I, Peter Slayton or I talk about, uh, you know, just having these conversations and, and understanding what's happening on your own feeds, the whole like, take a second, walk away and then mm-hmm. come back. And if you still want to comment and get involved, mm-hmm. maybe, but like. Mm-hmm. Give yourself some space because just because just because you can comment on things doesn't necessarily mean you should. <laughs> right, right. I mean, knowing the realm, take it somewhere else sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to engage, generally a public feed is not the place. Like right. I would just say most of the time, send a private message, ask someone out to coffee, whatever, create an, a conversation that isn't a public forum. You know, there's there's a place for that. Luther mm-hmm. did it with the 95 Theses, right. um, but he was also having a billion other conversations privately. And those are the conversations I think that he found the greatest impact as well as the Reformation went forward. Not that we're Luther, but I do think that can be something that encourages us that we can do the same. Yeah. So, so to put a big bow on on all of the, we talked about a lot of stuff today. How does that, how does that intentionality that we talked about earlier, how does that uh, relate to dealing with challenging conversations and and approaching things with love and grace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we mentioned, you know, know your values, contemplate your vocations, and 
move forward with that unconditional positive regard, you know, before you get on social media. And sometimes we need a practice to get us going on something. And so I would say, like, create a post-it note or something that has that phrase on it, unconditional positive regard, or remind yourself of it before you open your phone, before you open the internet and jump on a social media, that this is something you're going to try to integrate into is being able to see the love, the intentions, good, bad, and other underneath things. Mm -hmm. And I think that will serve you well. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for walking us through these, these, these great insights on social media for this season. I know the summer is upon us. Time to take a little hiatus. What can we look for from Heidi Gaiman coming in the, in, in the coming seasons? Yeah, I'm really excited. I have a new book coming out in September, so it looks like we'll be maybe looking through that next year quite a bit in the same way we looked through Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration this last season. And um, listeners can find out more about that. I'll be putting some information out about it this week on my website, HeidiGaiman.com. And then in the summer, there'll be more information coming out from Concordia Publishing House as well. And so if you're looking to get more information on that, go subscribe at HeidiGaiman.com and follow on uh, social media, of course. Well, thanks so much for a fantastic season and looking forward to your new book in the fall. God's blessings this summer. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you next season. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Gosset. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.